Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 252 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel where you are watching this live right now. You may have noticed a little bit different look on the show today. In the lower left-hand corner of the screen, you see the word Zoom. That's because we've set up Zoom on the show right now, so we have uh, live video with our guests. So going forward, you know, before we just had guests call in, now you guys are going to be able to hear and see our guests. This also opens up the possibility for special guest hosts on the show. So if you guys have any ideas of people that you'd like to see guest host an episode of TNC with me, whoever it is, let me know. Drop a comment on this video, send me a DM, tweet me, whatever it is. Let me know because I'm curious uh, what kind of ideas you guys might put together. This brings so many different possibilities to the show, man. I think that we could have a lot of fun having some co-hosts on here, having all sorts of different guests. We can even have panels on here with the Zoom feature. You guys, again, instead of just hearing the guest and looking at my ugly mug the whole time, you will get to see everybody that's on the show. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Uh, TNC for the week of February 6th. Uh, So we don't have the phones up today because we got the video part figured out. We don't have the phone part figured out. We're trying to work with Zoom to get the phone part together. So that is coming down the line. I promise you guys that the phone lines will be back up on the show. Uh, Right now, though, we're just doing the Zoom thing, which, again, I think is a lot of fun. It's very, very exciting. I want to get over to... Our special guest, Mr. Rais Alim, who really had a breakthrough performance uh, a couple weeks ago against Vic Pasillas. Let's see. He should be uh, standing by. Let's bring him on the show. Bear with me, guys, because I might screw this up. Hopefully not. We'll find out. Let's see. It's working. It's working. I think he's here. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Rais Alim. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, first of all, you're back in Vegas, right? And um, I think, were you planning to get to down to Florida because you have a daughter down there, correct? Yeah, yep. I plan on uh, going down there, spending some time with her, and just kind of enjoying the moment. Sounds good, man. You're coming off a really a career performance. I think a breakthrough performance against Vic Pasillas. I know you don't like watching too much of your fights. I've heard you say that in interviews before. Have you had a chance to look at this one, though? And even if you haven't, what things do you think <clears throat> that you did good and what things do you think you could have did better in that fight? Um, uh, I haven't watched my fight yet. You know, I'm still just kind of reflecting back on some things. Uh, uh, th- there's a lot of things that I did good, but then there's still a lot of things that I did bad also. Mm-hmm. You know, like I gave them some opportunities when I didn't necessarily have to. I feel like I uh, did a good job of uh, going to the body and uh, keeping my distance and my range. You know, uh, there was a few times where I lunged in with some punches. Right. And uh, it it was one of the rounds to where he had to show the ref and his trainers that he was still in it to win it, that he was still alive. He needed a spark. And I kind of allowed him into the fight. You know, had I not been going for the knockout, I think I would have, I would have stopped them in probably like the sixth or seventh. Really? I, you know, I think so. I saw, you know, all the experts on Twitter, of course. You know, everyone's an expert on Twitter. They were saying that um, you got tired. Would, and do you care to respond to those comments at all, that you got tired later in the fight and that's how he got back in the fight? Is that true at all? Um, I, I didn't really get tired. It's just, uh, you know, the beast kind of got away from me a little bit. You know, after I dropped him in the second round, I, uh, I just started to smell blood. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I was going for the knockout and I was probably trying a little too hard. I, I don't think I got tired. I was just I was just trying too hard. And that allowed uh, him to get opportunities. He's a great fighter, you know, so he's a warrior. He, he wasn't going to stay down. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think um, I don't remember exactly, but I think the betting odds changed like right before that fight. And he was this slight favorite. And for the record, I picked you the whole way. I thought you were going to win that fight. So, um, yeah, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. But um, do you think that, you're, that you've flown under the radar a little bit? Do you think people have been sleeping on you? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I've been flying under the radar. See, the best thing about flying under the radar is you get to surprise a lot of people when they mm. really get to see what you're about. 
you know, but but yeah, people's been sleeping on me, my power, uh, well, everything I bring to the table. But I just stayed the course and stay consistent, stay believing in myself, and uh, I'm continuing to get better. Do you think part of it is being from Muskegon, Michigan? Because I gotta tell you, I'm a Detroit guy, uh, so I'm a, I'm a homeboy. You know, it's great to talk to another Michigan guy. Um, yeah. But when I think of Michigan boxing, and of course Michigan has a rich boxing tradition, right? But you think Detroit, you even think um, you know Grand Rapids, which I know you're close to. But yeah. is it? Do you think it's because you're from Muskegon, or do you think it's some other things that are uh, playing into that? Oh, uh, I think it's because I'm from Muskegon. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm from a, a small town that nobody's really heard of that's never produced a world champion or anything like that. So uh, definitely it's it's because I'm from Muskegon. You know, okay. uh, had I had it been, you know, born and raised in Vegas, New York, Florida, whatever, Cali, it'd be a completely different conversation. Yeah, I think like the promoters would have been more apt to to talk to you because I think when you come out of a, a, a fresh market like that that no one's heard of, the promoters think that, you know, oh, you get weak sparring, the amateur system's weak, but it's still Michigan. Michigan in the Midwest has produced some of the best boxers in the history of the sport, you know. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your, your martial arts background because – everyone's made a lot of that and it, it kind of helps make your style a little bit unorthodox, right? Which is part of what makes you so fun to watch. What other martial arts besides boxing d- did you practice? Uh, Mu Kwan Taekwondo. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like Kung Fu karate and everything, but uh, I-, I loved karate. Karate was, uh, it-, it was super fun. I was the highest ranking student. So I would dismiss everybody at the end of the night. Yeah, we would go to tournaments and compete, and uh, it was it was super fun. So, like, were you a kid when you did karate, or do you still do it now as an adult, or are you full-time boxing now? Uh, well, I'm full-time boxing now, but I was okay. in the karate gym at the age of three. Like, that's when oh, I started uh, doing karate. Three years karate. old, wow. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you started boxing? I started boxing when I was 14. So it was, okay. like, pretty much right after I got my black belt. Okay. I, I, uh, I, w- I was just going to ask, now – this is like this is one of my pet peeves. Do you consider boxing to be a martial art? No, not not a martial art. I mean, you know, it's, it's a contact sport. It's a it's like a chess match. It's uh, boxing is kind of like its own entity. You know what I'm saying? It's its own thing. Uh, karate, I feel like, is different. Wrestling is different. You know. So okay, that's interesting that you say that because like I look at it, it, I'm not a pro fighter, so maybe I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But I'm like, it's combat with your hands. That's still yeah. a martial art, right? I just I, I asked because during the Showtime broadcast, they were like, "Well, he's a boxer, but he's also a martial artist." And I'm like, "What the box? He's a, boxers are martial artists too, right?" But you you would say they're different. Well, I mean, uh, you know, karate, hands and feet, uh, boxing, just stand up hands, okay. uh, MMA, kind of everything, you know. So it's just a little bit different of uh, the tools that you use, I guess. So you'd say like that's how you separate it, where where boxing is just a little more focused on one thing and martial arts is maybe a little more well-rounded? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. Uh, just just like kind of like boxing or wrestling, you know, it's just it's still right. a little different. Yeah, and like boxing, whether it's a martial art or not, it's a fight sport, right? And it's clearly the most popular. Like it has the the most uh, popularity worldwide, the biggest events, and like all the history. So I can see why people think boxing is like this separate thing because of that history. But we live in an era now where I notice there are more and more boxers like you that have that background in martial arts in I feel like when I was growing up, like in the 80s, that would have been frowned upon. You looked at, oh, this dude's a kickboxer. He, ain't, he Why is he trying to box? This dude is a football player, basketball player, whatever. You're seeing it more now where there's these well-rounded athletes coming into boxing and specifically with martial arts. Do you think that is something that we're going to see more of going forward? And do you see it as a benefit? Uh, I, I would assume so. Uh, probably moving forward, you would probably see it a lot more. And I think it is a, a benefit. You know, yeah. it just adds another dynamic to uh, to what somebody can already do. You know, so that they'll be more well-rounded. They can do more things than just the standard, this is what it is. Right. Just the, like, is it, 
mentally is, is there's just more of a comfort for you that you know you've been you did karate at three years old so you grew up and you were used to being in combat and do you think that just gives an added like subconscious confidence to you having that well-rounded background yeah yeah i i would say so you know it'd give me uh an advantage uh mentally you mm. know and then also uh being humble, not getting the big head, understanding, especially in the sport of boxing, it only takes one hit. Of course. You know, yeah. so that can change everything. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's helped me uh, mentally. How, do you, how, how physically has it helped you? Because one thing I noticed about you, you got a motor, man. I mean, like, I kept waiting for you to get tired in that Paseas fight. I'm like, man, anytime now, he can't keep this shit up. Sixth round, seventh round, eighth round. You're still going like it was the first round. Did, did the martial arts background help with that? Or is it just something in you? Is it just the way you train? Well, you know, it's my work ethic. And my work ethic started at the karate gym, mm -hmm. you know. So just uh, working hard and uh, not being afraid to uh, push myself and try, trying to get to that uh, next level. So my work ethic did kind of start there. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm a cardio fighter. When my cardio is not at an elite level, I don't think anybody can beat me. I, you have to have one of the best cardio games in the sport, man. I, I just that the pace that you had in that fight, and Pasias is a solid guy, and he was going to the body too. He connected with some shots, and if you weren't in shape, a couple of the shots he hit you with late in that fight would have did something. So I commend you for that. Um, I was going to ask, what do you think about these? boxing mma crossover fights i mean we saw <laughs> floyd and connor we knew what that was right they were talking about manny and connor until connor screwed that up do you like those fights do you hate them do you not give a shit either way do you think we're going to see more of them i mean i i think you, you you uh we might see more in the future you know it's a you know, it's kind of exciting. Me as an athlete, as a competitor, you know, uh, I, I would love to do some MMA, you know, to compete at a high level. Like, it would just be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so uh, the crossovers are cool, you know, as long as it's uh, entertaining for the fans. Uh, but I feel like if you're going to do it in a boxing gym, you should have that same match in, in the uh, in the octagon. So it would be like, you know, Floyd fighting Connor in the octagon. Connor fighting Floyd in the box. That's, that's not happening. <laughs> right, right. That's not well, happening. Know, like that would be like, that. That would be pretty dope. Like uh, Clarissa Shields, she's training yeah. for MMA. You know, so like that'd be pretty dope. To what, see do, her. what do you think about that, man? Because I actually think you know, in in boxing, there's just no girls for her in her divisions. Because I feel like in female boxing, all the good fighters they're down where Katie Taylor yeah. fights, Jessica McCaskill, like those divisions. But for Clarissa, I think there's going to be opportunities for her in MMA. What do you think, man? Do you think she's going to have success over there? I think so. You know, uh, she has a great work ethic. She She's extremely smart. Uh, she, she knows what she's doing. You know, if, uh, if if she didn't think she could do it, she wouldn't be pushing it. You know, yeah. uh, I, I think she can do it at an extremely high level. I think she'll be successful for sure. I, I think as long as they don't rush it, right? Uh, as long as they yeah. take their time. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, she's crossing over. Uh, get at least a fight or two under her belt that's, you know, seeing what it's like. Because it's, what, five-minute rounds? Yeah. You know, it's, you know it's, it's, it's a different pace. It's, you know, it's different. So uh, you just got to get used to that. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I, I saw a marked improvement in her, in her boxing over the last couple of years. Um, she, she just got better and better, but there's just no competition for her. I looked it up. The the three division, divisions that she's fought in, there are just over 100 fighters in the world in those three divisions combined. So there's just nobody there, man. But I think there's bigger girls in MMA. I think she's going to have success over there. But all right, back to you. Back to you. Uh, you fought with uh, Pasias on the undercard of Fulton, uh, his big fight, his big win over uh, – Angelo Leo, what did you think about Fulton's performance? And what do you think, how do you think a fight between you and him would match up? I, th I think he put on a, a great performance, you know, uh, he, he beat Angelo Leo at his own game, you know, and he looked great doing it. I thought he would come out with a different game plan, uh, but he came out with a better one than what I thought. Me too. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So, you know, kudos to him uh, at the end of twelve. He didn't even look tired. Like he wasn't even yeah. breathing and they were throwing punches, you know? So, uh, that's exciting. Uh, as far as, uh, me and him matched up, I mean, I do think that I win that, that fight. I feel like 
out of the world champions. Uh, he has the highest boxing IQ next to me. You know, he's uh, he's extremely intelligent in the ring, the things that he does and the things that he's able to do using his leg, working off his jab and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But but I think, uh, you know, if we fought head to head, I believe I would win that fight. What do you think it is? Is it just the power or strength difference? Because the one thing with Fulton, he doesn't punch very hard. Or is it the ring IQ? Is there something you see specifically in his game? Well, um, he'll let you fight your fight. You know, he 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 fought Angelo Leo's fight, or he let Angelo fight his fight, and he beat him at that. And that's something he's great at is uh adapting kind of on the fly. You uh-huh. know, uh, he'll let you fight your fight. If if he lets me fight my fight, I I beat him. I just you know I I don't see. I don't see him winning. I mean, it'd be a, a, a great fight, a really tough fight, but I do believe that I win. Who do you want next? If you could play matchmaker, and it, look, there's all these fucking politics, right? It's it's Showtime, PBC, it's top-ranked ESPN. Put all that shit to bed. If you could choose, who would you fight next? I would fight Akhmadalia. All right. You know, he has the Super Bowl. He has two of the titles. Uh, you know, like, I want Akhmadalia. Uh Brandon Figueroa, Lewis Neary, Stephen Fulton. I mean, I, I want all those guys. I want the big names, and I'm ready for it all. Any of those fights, man, sign me up. I, that division is so loaded, and I think that division has kind of gone under the radar. And I'll admit I was guilty of that too. I was looking a little north of some of those other divisions that are red hot, or even like Superfly 115. But 122 just kind of slipped under the radar, and there was something about your performance – and Stephen Fulton's performance a couple weeks ago that just woke everybody up. Like, man, I just look at the top 10 and like, there's every fighter is good. Like any mix of the top 10 fighters. But so you want to go right to the top if you can. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. How do you make that happen? Because again, you're from Muskegon. You're not bringing <laughs> this huge, you know, you're not from LA. You're not from Vegas. You're not bringing that huge market value with you. Not yet. Anyway, how do you get these guys to take on such a big risk and fight you? You know, I have to, uh, I have to stay the course, you know, um, I'm doing something right. So it's uh continue to grind and get better. Uh, I, I might get an opportunity because somebody overlooks me. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I put on a, a great performance, but maybe they say, Oh, it's a fluke and this, this and that. And they decide to come to the table. Well, you know, I, if that's the option, what's up, I'm ready for it. <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm getting with my people. We're trying to make something happen. I'm ready for it. So it's really it's all on them because I'm already at the table. I'm just waiting for somebody to sit down. Have you heard from the WBA? Because they have like five thousand belts at at that division. Pretty much every division, but including <laughs> your division. And you have a chunk of one of the titles. So have you heard from them? Is there any plan to where you have to fight one of the other guys or anything like that in the works? Um. I think Brandon Figueroa is the mandatory, or it, it's him, or it's Akhmadalia. Akhmadalia might be the mandatory, but I'm. I, You're I'm the not mandatory sure. for them. Or, yeah. I, I okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Because I think Brandon has the regular. T- I can't keep up with the damn WBA, yeah. but he has the regular title, right? So, have so. you heard from his people, or have your people reached out to his people? And I I haven't heard anything from anybody quite yet. Uh, okay. In the next few days you know i'm sure you know some phone calls are gonna be made i'm, I'm gonna get in touch with somebody to figure out what's up with that yeah because i mean it's only been a week or two right so it's still pretty fresh um coming off that win which which to date that's the biggest win of your career right Have, has yeah. anything been different for you i've seen you've done a few of the podcasts you've done a few interviews so obviously that's you know you're starting to get some recognition has anything changed or, or is it the same for you it's, it's, it's the same for me, you know, uh, the, the only thing that's changed is, you know, just, uh, what I'm doing in the future, you know, trying to work on the small things and trying, trying to get better and stuff like that. But besides that, I'm, I'm sticking to the script. Everything mm-hmm. is the same. You got that belt though. I know you're happy with that belt, right? You just want to oh, grab yeah. all of them. I got to ask, man, is, is, does it say interim on the belt or regular or anything, or is it just the WBA belt? Uh, just the WBA belt. Okay, okay. I was just curious because I can't, again, I, you know, I was an athlete in my youth. I was in the Marine Corps, so I, I boxed a little bit there. And it, athletes love trophies, right? We, we love 
we don't give a damn what it has, whatever. But I know in your heart of hearts, you want that super title. You, you like you said, you want to go after Akhmadiyev because he's got that super title. Uh, so it's awesome to have the belt, but it's even greater to me that you want to go after all those top guys. I think that's very commendable. But uh, you're 30 years old. How are you with making weight in this division, and how much longer can you stay here before you think you need to move up to 26? Um, I, I'm comfortable making weight. You know, I understand uh, nutrition and, uh, you know, how to get my body to uh, an elite level physically and mentally and, and what I have to do, and that's come with a lot of trial and error. You know, mm. nobody taught me. Nobody showed me. I had to kind of learn myself. But I don't have a problem making weight. Um, you know, uh, the short-term goal is to win the world title and to defend it. And then after that, I'll explore other options as far as moving up to weight. Uh, unification would be great. So being able to unify and then, okay, what's next? Boom, move up. Okay. So, but uh, it, until I reach those short-term goals, I'm, I'm comfortable at 22 and I don't have a problem making weight. So you think you could, if if it takes <clears throat> two or three years to unify the titles because of the politics, you think you could comfortably do that at 22? I believe so. Okay. I mean, would it get hard and harder? Yeah, 100%, you right. know, but it's like mind over matter thing. It's like being 30 years old, but looking at all these other fighters who had successful careers being older, you got to take care of your body a little bit more. You got to stop drinking a little bit more, you yeah. know, so it's, Damn it. it's certain things <laughs> that you can do. It's like, it's not impossible. You just got to. You got to say no to that beer, that piece of cake. That's what I'm having trouble with, man. (laughs) But uh, I'm still in holiday mode. I'm trying to let it go. But, um, man, I appreciate you being on the show and uh, dealing with me, figuring out this Zoom thing. We need to do it again uh, before your next fight. I think you want to fight in June, right? Is that when you're trying to get back in the ring? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get back there in June. I don't want a big layoff. You know, I just want to get back to the lab and, uh, you know, get a fan of something they can uh, talk about. And you're based out of Vegas now, full time, right? So is that where you're training, sparring, the whole the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vegas okay. is home now. Yeah, okay. For sure. How long have you been in Vegas? Three years. It was okay. uh, moving out here was like a birthday present to myself. You know, I moved out here two days before my birthday. Nice. Nice. In June. Yeah, coming from Michigan, man. I, the first time I I lived in L.A. for a decade, so. The first time I was actually in Cali the first time when I was in the Marine Corps, and I was like, holy shit. I just, you know, like I had to at least live there for a little while. I ended up being there for 10 years. But um, so your daughter's in Florida. What part of Florida? Uh, West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. So yeah. you basically split your time, I guess, I would assume, between um, Vegas and West Palm Beach. And has the COVID situation made that tougher? Or is it – I think Florida's pretty open. But yeah, yeah, Florida, Florida's pretty open. What, how how is it in Vegas? Like it, like training and everything like that. Uh, training is okay. You know the gyms, the fitness gyms, and all that are back open. Okay. Um, okay. Some things are a little bit still shut down and, and whatnot, but uh, for training, Vegas is okay now. Okay. Well, you're just hitting the the conscience, I think, of a lot of boxing fans. So what what would you like to like? if you could let the fight fans know something about you that maybe separates you from the pack that hasn't been reported about or in any of the interviews yet, not to put you on the spot. I'm just saying if there's anything that, you know, you want the fight fans to know that that makes you different, what is it? Uh, What makes me different? I mean, you know, my work ethic, you know, it's like, uh, Man, I definitely put you on the spot. Yeah, right, right. right. That's <laughs> I'm question, sorry, man. You know? I like, well, I mean, no, we, it, it's we hit it's a like, lot of it, know, but I mean, it's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm an action fighter. You know, I, I show up to win. I'm, I'm willing to fight to the death in there. You yeah. know, like I'm, I'm, I'm willing to crawl out of the ring before I'm just willingly able to walk out and accept the loss. You know, yeah. uh, I, I put everything into me i truly believe in myself it's like i'm not a fighter that that talks shit i'm gonna tell you what i really honestly think you know if i didn't think i was ready for a fighter i'd I'd be like yo you know i need a few extra fights i'd say this or that but if i truly think i can do it i'm gonna let them know and i just keep it real so 
That's great. That's, awesome. that, you, that's enough right there because I, let me tell you, man, I've interviewed a million fighters. I've been in, in a million gyms. And you can spot somebody that's that's humble and means what they're saying. And I absolutely feel that in you. So thank you so much, Raiz, for being on the show. Oh, one more thing. I got to ask about the name. Okay. Not too many people have an apostrophe right in the middle of their name. So I'm just, I, I just, I'm curious. Do people butcher your name? Do you get called Raisi or Raise all the time? <laughs> oh, man, all the time. Okay, Growing I can only imagine. <laughs> Growing up with that though, that was that was a struggle. But even as an adult, you know, like I can uh, tell them a thousand times the right way to say it, Raisi. Somebody called me Release before. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, <laughs> they added a letter. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. it's is it Raisi? Am I saying? Is it? Yeah, Ra- yeah. It's actually super easy. You just break it down. You got it right though. Raisi. Okay. Ra-ease. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty easy, but I'm sure, pe- man, people have butchered my name, and it, my name's Michael, so. I can only imagine the the hell that you have gone through, uh, but it's all, I think it's a great name because it's so unique and that makes you stand out. Uh, but I, again, I could just only imagine what you had to know how to fight growing up because a lot of the kids probably threw all sorts of nicknames at you <laughs> with that, right? Um, before I let you go, brother, uh, what uh, social media where people can follow you? Are you on Twitter yet or just Instagram? Uh, just Instagram. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, I'm. After uh, I fought in August, I was trying to stay low-key on social media because I knew the next opportunity was going to be huge. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Raiseline Boxing. In the next coming days and weeks, I'm going to be you know, more active on there, putting videos and workout stuff. Cool. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your – let me see. It's uh, still afternoon for you. It's evening here. But uh, enjoy it, and then uh, enjoy seeing your daughter in Florida soon, and we will talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot, man. All right, let's see. Hopefully I can figure out what to do. There we go. I think I figured it. Okay. I was worried I'd end the video here after that, but I think I did it the correct way. All right, guys. So there he is, uh, Raiz Salim. Uh, Pretty awesome guy, as you can tell, man. Uh, Pretty awesome guy. And um, I think he's got a ton of potential uh, in that 122-pound division because you saw the humility. You, You saw that he it's just a very real guy and they're, you know, Hey, I'm from Michigan too. There's something about being from the, I call it the rust belt. Well, I don't call it that. That's what it's called. But coming from that part of the world, um, you, you know, you, you, it's a struggle you work with your hands a lot. Um, it, nothing's given to you. Everything is earned. And there's a humility from that part of the United States. Everybody. Uh, that's the, the thing I miss about Detroit. My hometown. The most is the people. Wonderful humble, just salt of the earth human beings. And, um, you know, my family members and friends that are still up there, uh, every time I go up there and visit, I just am reminded of that. You know, it, it was such a culture shock for me living in Los Angeles, completely different. Although I loved LA. All right. So that was awesome. Having Raiz on the show. We'll definitely have him back on. Let's jump into news and notes. A reminder for those of you who just got on, uh, we do not have the phone lines today. All right. We don't have the phone lines today because we still haven't figured out how to do the phones along with the zoom video. We're working with zoom to figure all that stuff out. So, um, when we get all that together, we will bring the phones back. I promise you. Okay. But it looks like Canelo Alvarez is going to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders in May. They're calling this a three belt unification. Technically it is, but I just wanted to put a little bit of uh, fine print to that, okay? Or uh, to decipher the fine print, the gray area in that, okay? Remember, Canelo Alvarez has the WBA super title, right? He won that off of Rocky Fielding, who won the regular title when he beat Tyron Zuge, okay? And somehow was elevated to super when Canelo fought him, got the super title. Canelo won the vacant WBC belt, off of Callum Smith. That was, uh, who the hell, David Benavidez's title, right? He lost it because of things going on outside the ring. Saunders won the vacant WBO belt off of Shafat Isufi. So, although this is going to be a unification, a three-way unification, you know, that's awesome. But just to put into perspective, not all unifications are created equal. More than that, guys, I think you got to stop worshiping the belts. 
because I go back, you know, the, the, the reason why I thought of this is when Terrence Crawford cleaned out 140 pounds a few years ago, there were a lot of people giving him shit saying, oh, well, look who he beat to unify the titles. Number one, beating uh, Victor Postol, that was a good win. I think that's an underrated win for Crawford. But he cleaned out that division. He fought everybody that was available. Those were the best fighters in the division at the time, and he beat them. It was a weak division at that time. I admit that. But Crawford fought everybody that was there, then he moved up to 47. Currently with Canelo, I think the biggest challenge for him at 168 is David Benavidez. It's not Billy Joe Saunders. It's not Caleb Plant. And we'll talk about Plant later on in the show. But um, it's it's clearly David Benavidez. Just based on what we've seen, the intangibles, the size, uh, the power, the activity, all of it. And then just based on styles. I, I think Benavidez at 168, biggest challenge. Dimitri Bivol, who is more than willing to move down to 168, would be a bigger challenge, I think, than even Benavidez. I think those are the best challenges. There are top challenges for Canelo. I understand him not wanting to rush right into that. However, when Canelo fights Saunders in May and beats him, because he will beat him, we all know this, the odds are going to be wide. It's going to be fairly one-sided. A lot of people, it's not that Saunders is a bad fighter. He's a, he's a solid fighter, but he's just not on Canelo's level. He's better than Callum Smith. It'll be slightly more competitive than that, but not that competitive. Canelo's going to win. He's going to have three of the titles, and then one other title is owned by Caleb Plant. And so at that point, if Canelo really wants to unify and clean out and win all four titles, he's got to beat fight and beat Caleb Plant. But according to some of you people out there, he truly won't be undisputed because if you let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument, Canelo fights Saunders in May, beats him, fights Plant in September, beats him, wins all four titles. There are some of you out there who would claim he's not undisputed because he has to fight the interim champions and the regular champions and the diamond champions and the gold champions and the champions in recess because that's what y'all said about Vasily Lomachenko. Remember that? And now you're saying it about uh, Tiafima Lopez because when he beat Vasily Lomachenko, oh, no, that wasn't undisputed because of the franchise situation. And then he's got to fight Tiafima Lopez. He's got to fight Devin Haney before he could be undisputed. Remember all that? So some of you guys might have short memories if Canelo cleans out this division. And some of you might not recognize him as the undisputed champion. For me, what I want to see is Canelo fight the absolute best fighters in the division. I don't give a shit who holds the titles, what titles they hold. I just want to see him fight the best. And in my opinion, the best challenges for him at 168, again, is Benavidez and Bevel. That being said, if he fights Saunders in May, that's a good fight. If you subscribe to the zone, you get that fight with your subscription. Those of you who don't have the zone, I think you'll have to pay $20 or something for a pay-per-view. Um, that's still a pretty decent deal. That's a solid fight. And then I don't know if the plant fight's going to happen. I personally think the politics of boxing will have its way and we will see Canelo fight a rubber match with Gennady Golovkin. And yes, I will call it a rubber match. I don't give a shit what some of you Golovkin haters say. Triple G won the first fight. Canelo won the second fight. Third fight between them is a rubber match. Get over it. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, but that's what I think is going to happen. I don't know if the plant fight happens this year. But, you know, either way, if he fights plant or Golovkin, that's a good fight. It's a pretty good year for Canelo. We'll see what happens. All right. Virgil Ortiz versus Maurice Hooker, March 20th in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Venue hasn't been decided yet, but the fight's been agreed upon. Originally, it was reported as March 27th, but now I believe the working date is March 20th. I love that matchup. For those of you who subscribe to The Ring magazine, uh, about a year or so ago, you saw my uh, my article about Virgil Ortiz, kind of introducing him to the fans and um, or just telling a little bit about his story. And you know, I did an interview with him. One of the things, one of the fighters he mentioned was fighting Maurice Hooker. He, he's known him since the amateurs. I mean, they both grew up around the Dallas area. So they know a lot about each other. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Hooker's fans would show up. Virgil's fans would show up. That might be one I might need to travel and cover ringside for a ring. That'd be a good time, man. And Manny Pacquiao at 147. The WBA has named him their champion in recess and promoted Ugas 
Jordanios Ugas to super champion, which basically is the politics of boxing. The WBA is in business with the PBC, and this is a way to justify a pay-per-view, PBC on Fox pay-per-view fight between Spence, Errol Spence, and Jordanis Ugas. That's what you guys are going to get this spring. Mark my words. I like Ugas, and you you can make an argument that he will be the best overall opponent that Spence is going to fight when he fights him. You can make that argument. I'm not necessarily saying that is the case, but I'm not saying it is not the case. You can make a, a very valid and solid argument one way or another. All right, Either way, it's a good fight. Doesn't belong on pay-per-view, but with that elevation of Ugas to super champ, now it's called a title unification. That helps them market it, right? Just a reminder, though, and again, I like Ardenis Ugas. You know, he's, he's a good fighter and he's a good guy outside the ring. But he beat Abel Ramos for the vacant regular belt and was elevated on a technicality. So I bring these things up because you have to understand the promoters aren't going to mention that and the network's not going to mention that, the advisors, the managers, et cetera, et cetera, not going to mention that. They're going to market this as this huge unification fight when it happens later this spring. And just sometimes guys, you need to hear the, the, the gray area, you know, between the black and white, the fine print at the bottom of the contract. You need to be reminded of that stuff, you know, just because it's going to be 70, $80 for that pay-per-view. And look, man, again, good fight. I don't know if it's worth $80 pay-per-view. Okay, I've seen a few of you guys ask about uh, Super Chats and and, uh, chats on the show today. Uh, Man, I'm not sure. It looks like the chat is not coming through on YouTube. So it might be something with Zoom. I'll have to look into it, guys. So um, apologies for that. But it looks like the live chat right now on YouTube is down. So I don't know what's up with that. It might be a setting through Zoom. Again, work in progress. But I hope... You guys enjoy the Zoom setup because it brings so many different opportunities. I should also mention we ordered a much better camera right now on this episode. I'm using the camera on the my laptop. So I'm no longer using my phone, which is good because halfway through the damn show, all those times people would call and it would mess up the uh, the show. That won't happen anymore. But we ordered a camera that we can plug in right into Zoom and that will be a nice you know, widescreen HD camera. So it's going to look even better once we get that in. As I've told you guys before, every dime that I make off this show, I reinvest back into the show. That's what we do. So, um, and again, all this stuff costs money. So it also takes a long time to learn and figure out. So it's a process and I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Let's get to the fight review and there's nothing to preview. There are no fights this weekend because guess what? There's this little thing called the Super Bowl, and the promoters wisely don't want to go up against that. Although, I got to say, if you had a fight card on Friday or Saturday down there in Tampa Bay, um, I, I think that would, be, that would make a lot of sense. I, I think what these promoters really should have thought about that because um, you're going to get a bunch of free publicity, man. If you put on a fight card right there in Tampa Bay and Florida's open, there are more and more fight cards going down there. Canelo's about to fight Yildirim down there in Florida, which by the way, I'll probably be ringside for that, covering that event for for ring. So any of you guys down in Miami, if you want to grab a beer or something while I'm down there for a fight week, I'll probably be in Miami for that fight. But I don't understand. I understand why you might not want to do it like Saturday night you know, or going right up against the Super Bowl. But Friday night in Tampa, I think that would have been – that's a missed opportunity. Anyway, uh, last weekend, Stephen Butler got upset in Mexico. I don't know if you guys saw this. My my Canadian viewers, you guys know Stephen Butler well. He was stopped by a journeyman in Mexico, KO'd in his last two fights, man. Uh, hasn't looked good. So I don't know what's going on with him, but it might be uh, close to the end of the road for him. Two bad knockout losses or stoppage losses in a row for him. But last Friday, January 29th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Hollywood, Florida, it was Don King. King Vision or whatever the hell he calls it. I don't know. He had a pay-per-view on his website. Trevor Bryan scores a TKO 11 win over Berman Stavern. <clears throat> He's now 21-0, 15 knockouts, and has the WBA regular heavyweight title. 
I made a video, I think, last Friday just talking about the WBA's heavyweight ratings and just how atrocious the whole heavyweight situation with all the belts and all that. I just I had to troll them a little bit. Hopefully you guys uh, were entertained by that one. Just have a little fun at the WBA's expense. They make it easy. They make it really easy. So I didn't really watch this whole fight. I watched a few rounds. I skipped around, watched highlights of it. But overall, Brian, I thought, showed patience, sat back, worked off his jab. Stavern landed a few decent shots, but he, um, I thought, showed that he was thinking in there a little bit. You know, a, he looked like a prospect. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even put him in contender status yet. He's still a prospect. But, you know, beating a prime Berman Stavern, who briefly held a world title, that meant you were a real contender. When, when when Deontay Wilder beat him the first time, that showed that Deontay Wilder was a guy that was for real. It was a guy that we needed to really take a, a real look at. But Trevor Bryan beating this version of Berman Stavern really doesn't say a lot. And I actually tweeted, and this isn't to beat up on Trevor Bryan. I, I wish no ill will against him. I wish nothing but the best for him. Although I can't understand why he signed with Don King. What the hell were you thinking, my man? But... I tweeted this, I think Sunday, maybe Sunday, or maybe it was Saturday. But anyway, is, is Trevor Bryan beating Berman Stavern? Does that make him worthy of being a top 10 heavyweight? And the results were pretty, you know, substantial. You guys agreed with me that hell no. And it's, again, no knock to him, but he's basically a prospect. 21 fights in, he's a heavyweight prospect to keep an eye on. There was a guy who fought on Saturday night that I think is – probably at the level of Trevor Bryan already, maybe slightly ahead of him or right there. We'll talk about him in a second. Michael Kofi, who is probably even money against Trevor Bryan right now. And he's considered a prospect, but because of the WBA's craziness, Trevor Bryan now holds a quote unquote world title, right? So I just, I can't stand the fuckery from these sanctioning organizations. By the way, I brought it up on the ring ratings committee. Do you guys, do you think we should stop recognizing the WBA? And basically what was explained to me, just for those of you who have asked about this, was that the ring does not recognize the regular champion, the interim champion, the gold champion, any of their other damn champions. By the way, they have over 100 champions right now. They have, I, I looked because this was part of my spiel to, to the committee. They have 52 world champions right now, and I think like 60 more intercontinental blah, 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 blah type of champions. It ends up being over 100 belts the WBA has out there right now. Craziness, craziness. But the way it was explained to me at ring was, you know, it's not our job to determine, you know, should we recognize the sanctioning body or not? That's really up to the promoters, the networks, the fighters. We're just going to report on the news, we're going to report on the latest, you know, fights and what happened, and we recognize the WBA super champion. So on Ring Magazine, in Ring Magazine at RingTV.com, you will only hear us refer to a WBA super champion as a world title holder. We do not recognize any of their other title holders as title holders. All right, if that makes any sense. Uh, so real quick with Trevor Bryan, best wins over a 37-year-old B.J. Flores. And remember, that was at heavyweight. B.J. Flores, at his best in his prime, was a cruiserweight. This was B.J. Flores at 37, bloated as a heavyweight. That's probably still his best win. His second best win is beating Stavern, who was 42 years old when they fought last weekend and has lost four of his last five fights going back to 2014. So in other words, I think in what, seven years or so, six, seven years, he's fought five times. He's only won once. That's all you need to know about Trevor Bryan's resume. Okay. And for the WBA to do Don King that solid and sanction that for a, a title fight, whew, that is hard to defend. Will belt anybody. Remember, I invented that slogan. If that takes off and gets viral, you better make sure I get credit for that because that was mine. We'll belt anyone. All right, Saturday, January 30th, Shrine Exposition Center, Los Angeles, PBC on Fox. Real quick, let's talk about the heavyweight I just mentioned. Heavyweight prospect Michael Kofi improved to 12-0 and with nine knockouts with a KO3 win over Darmani Rock. That was his first professional loss. Now, 
Why does this matter, some of you might ask. It's two guys who are just prospects. Neither one of them has proven much. Who gives a shit? Well, because Rock had a pretty solid amateur background. Not globally. It was, it was regional. It was at the national level. But he had a pretty good, solid uh, amateur background. He's 80-plus pounds overweight. And he wasn't going to ever go anywhere as a professional heavyweight. But for Kofi to get in there and do what he did against him, that is impressive. Kofi's 34 years old. He started boxing at 29. He's only been boxing for five years. So for him to get in there with a guy that had that much more experience and had never lost as a pro, it's impressive. Now, am I saying he's going to be the next Hall of Fame heavyweight? No, I'm not saying that. Pump the brakes. All I'm saying is he's a guy we should keep an eye on. Former United States Marine out of Brooklyn, six foot five, 83-inch reach. So he's a big guy. He's got 21st century heavyweight uh, size, and he seems to be a fast learner. And again, I would say he's pretty much even money with Trevor Bryan at this point, which, you know, says a lot. It says a lot of things. I could go into uh, ranting for an hour. But definitely a prospect to keep an eye on. In the main event, Caleb Plant improves to 21-0 with 12 knockouts over, uh, with a unanimous decision win over Caleb Truex, who will be 38 years old later this year. Plant defends his IBF super middleweight title for the third time. His three uh, defenses after beating Jose Uzcategui in January of 2019 have come against Mike Lee that July. And then last February, Vincent Feigenmutz, and then Truax. Those are three incredibly weak title defenses that Caleb Plant has been able to sneak by with. And a couple of these have been headliners on Fox. Now, I don't know if somebody at PBC thinks that because of the demographic situation involved, that Plant's going to be this big crossover star, and you could just put him in there against anybody on Fox, and suddenly this kid's going to be a star. Well, that hasn't happened yet. This isn't the 1950s. The demographics of boxing are very, very different than they used to be. And if anything, Caleb Plant's going to have to prove himself twice as much as the next guy. Putting him in there against guys like this, no disrespect to Caleb Truax. But Caleb Truax, again, going to be 38 years old later this year, hasn't beat a top fighter. He's only beat one top fighter his entire career. That was a majority decision win over DeGale. DeGale decisively beat him in the rematch. And that was several years ago. That was three, four years ago. So Caleb Truax is who he is, okay? And for Caleb Plant to get in there and to go 12 rounds with Truax, let me ask you guys something. Would would Caleb Truax last 12 rounds with Canelo Alvarez? Would he last 12 rounds with David Benavidez? You know who he'd last 12 rounds with? Billy Joe Saunders. And Caleb uh, Plant. Those guys, my point is, Callum Smith, these guys are all kind of on the same level. And then there's a couple guys that are just a notch above them. In the case of Canelo, he's levels above all of them. But I just want, I I mentioned that to keep all of this in perspective. Okay. So, uh, and apparently, in all, you know, credit to Plant for being in shape, winning the fight, dominating, shutout. It was a 120, 108 type fight. Apparently, he hurt his left hand early in the fight. That has not been substantiated with any kind of medical report or anything like that. But apparently, he injured the left hand. Um, If it was broken or something, I think we'd see an x-ray by now. But either way, it was hurt. Okay, fine. But did this make you guys hungry for a fight between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant? It sure did not whet my appetite. What I saw in this performance was what I've been saying now for two years. Caleb Plant needs to fight David Benavidez or Billy Joe Saunders or even Callum Smith, one of the other top guys at 168, to determine a clear and concise number one challenger for Canelo Alvarez, who is clearly the man in that division. He's the legitimate champ. Let's be honest. He's the top dog. Not that he's necessarily proven it with his resume, but Canelo's resume at 168 for a guy who just got there is actually better than every other super middleweight who's been fighting there this entire time. Think about that for a second. Canelo's only had a handful of fights at 168, 
But his resume is already better than Plants, than Benavidez, than uh, Saunders, who, in his defense, just got there as well, but has faced terrible opposition. So it's kind of a mess at 168. My disappointment here is that everyone's just kind of playing it safe, riding it out in hopes to eventually win the Canelo sweepstakes and take their L, but take that big, big payday with the L somewhere down the line. And I hate that. I hate that. I get it. It's the business of boxing. But what I also see is the fragmented network situation contributing to that. And I see the sanctioning organizations and their slickness, learning how to manipulate fans, the promoters riding with it, the the managers and advisors and everybody riding with it, and using the, the WBA craziness, the WBC craziness as a way to manipulate fans and market fighters. Uh, to to smaller to bubbles within a bubble. Okay, so boxing itself is a bubble, right? We are a niche sport. If you don't think we are, you're crazy. In the United States, boxing is a niche sport. We live in a bubble, and what I find increasingly is that promoters market to their own bubble in the bubble, and certain fighters have become very good at making themselves extraordinarily popular with a bubble within the bubble instead of marketing to the entire bubble and trying to burst the goddamn bubble and market to everybody out there. There are very, very few fighters that can come anywhere near doing that anymore. And what disappoints me as a a passionate boxing diehard degenerate is I see promoters and networks doing this type of stuff now too. And they use the, the franchise thing or the interim you know, uh, super champion, regular champion thing as a way to play that system, right? And wait out the toughest fights and get to some easier gimme fights first. Business of boxing has always been that way, but now you can justify it because of the sanctioning organization craziness. There's another angle these guys have learned to play. And if you really pay attention, what you'll find is that um, – the sanctioning organizations have found ways. Let's just take the WBA, for example. In one particular division, they will have a champion that fights with Matchroom. Maybe that's the interim champion. The regular champion fights with PBC, and the super champion fights with Golden Boy. So they all fight on different platforms, but the WBA has got their tentacles into several different promotional outfits and network platforms in the same division. The WBC does this as well. So anyway, guys, that's just the business of boxing uh, right now. It's it's somewhat disappointing, but it is what it is. It ain't changing anytime soon. But guys like me, I hear to tell you, to, you know, break all that down. That's that's why you come here. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Raiz Salim. Uh, I know I sure did. And uh, like I said before, we'll definitely have him back on the show. We will find, figure out what the hell is going on with the chat on YouTube, and we will get the phones back up at some point, guys. I promise you. In the meantime, I'll see you at the fights. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe. Have fun. Have a good one, everyone.